Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Church London. You're listening to a message given on a Sunday morning. If you'd like to know more about us and the life of the church, please visit trinitychurchlondon.com. We are continuing in our real life series where we are looking at the book of James and sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening and receiving all that he has for us, all those things that he has spoken over us, how we take hold of those things and then live it out is what James is saying. I mean, right from the word go, he's saying, if you have received this grace of God, if you have put your faith in Christ, if you have seen his goodness, his mercy, if you have seen the beauty of Christ, if this spirit of life that we find in Christ Jesus has set you free from the spirit of uh, uh, the law of sin and death, Romans 8, then all of this will impact the way we live our life. That's one tune that he is playing over and over and over again. I mean, in the first chapter, he starts going through trials and tribulations. Let the grace of God be known. Going through sufferings, let the grace of God be known. Through the words that you hear, let that be known in your living. He's encouraging us, even in, a, even in times of um, hearing the word and saying, come on, lift that out, you know. Take hold of the grace of God and say no to every kind of sin and temptation. Sin of partiality is what we saw in chapter 2. And then he says, faith without works is dead. And the week before last, we saw Daniel explain to us that if we have received this grace of God, if we have taken hold of that, then what words come out of our mouth, they matter. They matter. They can bless or curse, but choose to bless. And this morning... He speaks about the wisdom that comes from above. He encourages us to live out the wisdom that has been installed into our hearts by this grace of Jesus. He asks in verse 13 of chapter 3, he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. And that word meekness over there is quite interesting. I mean, some translations use... Um, humility other translations use gentleness I mean there are commentators who also say that this word meekness is used for a horse that has been taken under control that has been beaten down you know it has power it has all the strength but it has been controlled and put together he says again James says over here he who has trust who has put their trust in Christ have a calling over their lives to live this life with attitude of humility and gentleness and mildness not as in because of weakness but almost this power and strength that has been placed under control that our relationship with God is revealed by the life we live just as works show what kind of relationship we have with God the wisdom also shows what kind of a relationship we have with Christ and in the next few verses, James goes on to show us these two different kinds of wisdoms in that sense. There is this earthly wisdom. And there is the another one which is called the, uh, the heavenly wisdom. The wisdom that comes from above. The godly wisdom. And how much in this world today do we need this godly wisdom? I mean, I'm thinking of all the situations that I had last week. How much did I need this humility from God? How much did I need this wisdom from above in, to put into practice all that was going on. How much do we need it today? How much do we need it right now? How much do we need it 
tomorrow when we have to make those decisions that will come one after the other. And as I was preparing for this, I was reminded of Umpume. You know, as a church together, as a family together, we prayed for Umpume's offset situation. We, he had applied for, for an offset inspection for a children's home. And there are, there are great chances that it will come as negative. They have told him, uh, they have come back and told him that, uh, do you want to withdraw your application or, or go ahead or what? Because there are chances that there are things that we don't like in here. And over there also to the wisdom of God to take hold of and say that, Lord, what do we do? How, do we, how, are, we you, how are you leading us into this? Maybe we can just take a moment right now and just pray for the situation once again. He said, God, we prayed, we saw your faithfulness in getting the documents ready. We saw your faithfulness in moving this forward. Now we need your intervention once again. Shall we do that? Amen. Amen. So he opens up two kinds of wisdoms. Worldly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. Wisdom that comes from above. Look at verse 14. But, you have bitter, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. This kind of wisdom has bitter fruits, James says. What are the kind of fruits? They look like jealousy, envy, selfish ambition. It looks like having all the energy, having all the passion, having all the drive to make what famous? Myself. To make much of ourselves. This is what the worldly wisdom looks like. That kind of wisdom looks like knowing the right things to say and the right things to do so that others know that I've got it all together. This wisdom looks like knowing how to use people to improve my situation. This wisdom looks like knowing that you are right, knowing that you are right, and then letting everybody else know that, hey, I'm right. This wisdom looks like denying the truth completely. And why all of this? Because this earthly wisdom puts us in the center of everything. This earthly wisdom says, I am the most important. How am I being served in all of this that is happening around me? This earthly wisdom puts us in the center of it all. What is jealousy? Jealousy. The, how can this person have such a great job? How can this person have such a great job? I want it too. That's jealousy. Envy. How can this person have such a great job? How can this person have so much money? He doesn't even deserve it. She doesn't even deserve it. I deserve it. That's envy. And James says, all of this puts us in the center of it all. And it is not godly wisdom. It is earthly wisdom. And before we know it, by the standards of this worldly wisdom, we keep feeding ourselves with more pride and more ego and to keep that central place. And in that, in that keeping of central place, what happens is we just keep sinking down and down and down because we don't want to lose there then. We want that central place to be that place of importance and we want to be there. I mean, this is not just true for one of the posh London offices where you climb, where you want to climb that professional ladder and like, okay, I want to 
pull this person down and go, the, go up. It's very much possible even for staff rooms with teachers. You know, when te one, one teacher would come up and say, you know what, I want my class to do better than hers. I'm sure children can take a little bit of that extra pressure. It can happen in parenting. Like I, I want my children to be raised up this way so that I can be praised. People can come back and say, wow, you're doing a really good job raising up your children. Again, what does it do? It, it keeps us in the center of it all. James says, beware. Don't fall into that snare of the worldly wisdom by, by, to keep serving your selfish ambition. But there is another kind of wisdom that James speaks of, the wisdom that comes from above. Verse 17 onwards. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This second kind of wisdom, instead of disorder and evil, it produces good fruits. It produces fruits of gentleness and kindness and peace. And this kind of tree is rooted down. It's sown in righteousness. It's rooted down deep. It's not going anywhere. It's not moving away. It's rooted down. This kind of wisdom, what does it look like? It strives to keep the peace. This kind of wisdom, is, it strives to keep peace. It says, even if we, when I have wronged someone, this kind of wisdom encourages me to, hey, to repent. To say sorry, forgiveness, so that I can come back in peace. This kind of wisdom, what, what else does it do? It helps me to not raise my voice to the person and, and come to the level of the person who is angry, shouting. But deal with it gently. This kind of wisdom looks like knowing when to dis discipline your children for what they have done. And knowing when to ease up and show mercy. This kind of wisdom keeps God and His commands and His word in the center of it all and moves us from the center. It considers others higher than ourselves. This kind of wisdom is not worldly, it's from above. And it is about this kind of wisdom that the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament is filled with. Let me just read a few. Proverbs 3 says, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. Proverbs 24, the author writes, he says, My son and my daughter eat honey, for it is good, and the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. Amen. If you find it, there will be a future and your hope will not be cut off. Proverbs 19, whoever gets wisdom loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will discover good. And James, in our passage, he's saying, let's take hold of this godly wisdom and live this out. Strive to live this out. Desire to live this godly wisdom out. Hold on to this. Live this out. This will be a blessing to us and then to others around us. I remember 10 years ago when God got hold of my life and, uh, and I was doing the automotive engineering job. And in that po at that point of time, um, I realized in my heart that there is a little bit of a change coming in our lives. So I told Nam Nam, I think there is a little bit of change. I think we are going to be putting this down for quite a bit and then moving ahead with church work. 
And that was not to do with, hey, automotive engineering is a bad job or anything. No, it served us really well. It was great. But you know when you know that there is a change coming. God is doing something in your life. So every once in a while, I used to sort of pipe up in my own wisdom and say, God, I'm ready. You know, one year gone by, I've read the New Testament. Come on, now, now I'm ready. I've got everything all together. Come on, you can use me now. And I used to hear that so clearly. I said, no. And no, why not? I mean, anyway, move on next year. God, I've done some in-depth discipleship training courses. Come on, now I'm ready. I've got everything together. Come on, now you can use, use me. And I said, no. And there were so loving people around me, my, te my teachers, my mentors, who used to, in a very gentle way, used to send me back to Jesus, send me back to the Word and say, when it's time, He will call you. I knew that there was a calling, but I didn't know about the timing. You're not sure about the timing. And I'm feeling, you know what, I don't think God understands. I don't think He knows what I've got inside me. Come on, you can use this fire. After three years, Shifa was born. And at the hospital, I was standing holding her in my, in my arms and the sunlight was falling onto her face and her face was shining beautifully. And, and, and I was looking at her and I was saying, now it's not happening for the next 20 years or so. Now it's not happening. Why? Because I have to work now. I have to save. I have to give her a nice future. I mean, this is a, it, here is a gift. I have to work now. And that's when God said, now. Now is the time. You know why? Because, because at that point of time, God said, you moved yourself out of the center. And you've put me there. Because now when you go, you will be relying upon me, depending upon me, rather than depending upon what you have got in yourself. <laughs> and I'm so thankful to God, of course, and so thankful to the teachers as well, who just kept, in godly wisdom, kept sending me back to the Word, saying, no, He will let you know. He will call you. He will tell you when is the right time in godly wisdom they led me so there is this earthly wisdom and there is this godly wisdom that we need to take hold of now changing gears a bit it's one thing to know what is godly wisdom and it's another thing to live that out you know the blessing is not just in knowing as james says not just in knowing but actually to live it out Again, in Deuteronomy, Moses, while giving God's commands to Israelites, he says, keep the commands and obey them and do them. For that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of people. In other words, what he was saying, he was saying wisdom consists in knowing the commands of God and in doing the commands of God. You know this already. There is a song made out of Matthew 7 where Jesus said, the wise man built his house upon the rock. Can we sing that together? Do we have the tune? Come on. Three, two, one, go. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rain came tumbling down. The rain came down and the floods came up. The rain came down and the floods came up. The rain came down and the floods came up. And the house on the rock stood strong. Amen. Amen. <laughs> the foolish man built his house upon the sand. I'm not going to ask you to sing that. It's all right. 
that should be enough, isn't it? The foolish man built his house on sand. The rain came, the storm came, the wind beat, and the house was there no more. Jesus says, the one who, who hears my words and he does them, he's the one who is wise. He's the one who is wise. And so far, so good. We understand that there are two kinds of wisdom, the worldly wisdom and the earthly wisdom. We want to take hold of worldly wisdom. We want to take hold of earthly wisdom because it's the... We want to take hold of godly wisdom. We don't want to take hold of earthly wisdom. Because in the earthly wisdom, we are the center, but in godly wisdom, God is the center. And so we want to take hold of God and godly wisdom. We know the fruits of earthly wisdom and godly wisdom. But here's the question. How do we get hold of godly wisdom? How do we get hold of this godly wisdom? I've got a few, maybe five, in no particular order, some practicals that will hopefully set us and toss us in the right direction to take hold of this godly wisdom. This wisdom that comes from above. The first thing, at Trinity, we want us to be longing for this wisdom. It's to desire this wisdom that comes from above. We want to be a people who desire this wisdom to start with. Is there a desire in our hearts? Proverbs 3, 3.13 says, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit is better than gold. She's more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Again, it says, prize her, prize her highly, embrace her and she will honor you. To prize something, to embrace something is, is to show that deepest desire and love towards it. And we want to be a people who desire, want to embrace, want to love this wisdom that comes from God. So first thing is to desire this wisdom. Secondly, we want to keep asking for wisdom in prayer. We want to keep asking for wisdom in prayer. Nobody is born wise. Ta-da! <laughs> Nobody is born wise. You remember Solomon, David's son? He wasn't born wise. He asked for wisdom. He prayed for wisdom. When he was made the king of his people there, what did he say to God? He said, God, give me an understanding mind to govern the people and discern between good and evil. And what did God say? God said, behold, I now do according to your word. I give you wise and a discerning mind. He asked for wisdom. Daniel the prophet, he was known for his interpreting the, interpreting, uh, the dream to this king, Nebuchadnezzar. He was known for that. What did he do? He, when he did the interpretation, he said, it's not me, it's God who has given me the wisdom. Because he asked for that wisdom. In the New Testament, Paul prays in his letter to Colossians, and this is what he prays. He says, from the day we have heard about you, we haven't stopped praying for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding and even in our letter that we are looking at the letter of james he says in 1 5 if you don't have wisdom ask god he will give it to you so nobody is born with this wisdom it's a gift and we can pray and ask god 
That's the second thing. Pray for wisdom. Number three, we want to continue to give ourselves to hearing the word and then doing the word. Now we know that there is wisdom in here. We know that if we study the word, we will do the word. And when we do the word, we will have wisdom in this. And we don't want to study it just for study's sake. We want to take hold of this and live it out in every area of our lives. Each one of us, including me. Each one of us. So we want to live this out, hearing the word and doing the word. David writes in Psalm 19, he says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. I know I'm giving lots of references today. But this is just to make sure that, hey, there is gold in here. There is something much more uh, treasures than gold. You know, let's take hold of this. So that's number three. Hearing the word and doing the word. Number four. Now I've taken this from John Piper. I was listening to something um, about the fear of the Lord. And this is what he says. He says, keep the perspective right. What do I mean by that? He says, life is short. Think about your death often. That helps to keep, us, keep our perspective right. Think of the shortness of this life and the vastness of the life to come. I mean, sometimes imagery helps, isn't it? I might have shared this before, but imagine if you are standing in front, on a beach and there is this vast ocean in front of you. You know, if you stand over there, you dip your finger, the amount of water that you will be able to collect from your finger is probably the life that we are living right now as compared to the vastness of the ocean which is the life to come he says get your perspective right this life is short but the life that is coming is vast as compared to this one and as we do that as we think less of this life and more of the life to come there will be wisdom David in Psalm 90 says, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom, that we may be able to put things in perspective. And number five, we want to keep coming to Jesus. We want to keep coming back to Jesus over and over and over again because we know that in Him, we have our being. In Him, there is fullness of joy, fullness of strength, fullness of happiness and fullness of wisdom as well so we want to keep coming back to him over and over again he is wisdom personified I mean in Proverbs 8 what is written in, in Proverbs 8 can only be said about Jesus let me read a, a, a verse from there for whoever finds me this is wisdom talking whoever finds me as in Jesus finds life and obtains favor from God but he who fails to find me injures himself all who hate me love death all who hate Jesus in other sense he says probably you love death it is only because of Jesus that we get to live this life everlasting remember the ocean the vastness of the ocean that is coming it's only because of him it's only because of his miraculous birth it's only because of his compassionate and loving life that he lived miraculous life it's only because of his sacrificial death on the cross. And it's only because of his astonishingly amazing or amazingly astonishing resurrection from the death, death that we have this life everlasting. 
otherwise what is that everlasting life it's just a black dead blob of death nothing else and my dear friends we want to take hold of that everlasting life take hold of Jesus take hold of Jesus we spoke about Solomon but there is a moment where Solomon prayed for wisdom he asked this wisdom from God but there is a moment where Jesus says someone greater than Solomon is here take hold of him there were others who pointed people to the way to the truth you know John the Baptist he came I am not he he is the one who is coming after me of his sandals I am not even worthy to untie I am the one who is giving out this voice prepare the way for the Lord who is coming he was pointing to the way he was pointing to the truth whereas what did Jesus say Jesus said I am the way I am the truth I am the life no one comes to the Father except through me there were others who had given promises whereas Paul writes in Corinthians he said every promise that we pray every prayer that we make all our promises are yes and amen in Jesus in Jesus he is that wisdom others had to sacrifice they had to offer sacrifices for forgiveness of sins Jesus became our sacrifice and in him we have this forgiveness of sins which is done and dusted we don't need any more sacrifices we don't need anything now in order to bridge that gap between the father and us we are one with our maker because of what Jesus has done for us Jesus is that wisdom personified and now as we put our faith in Jesus we stand forgiven and righteous in him